the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today we come towards the end of our look at the book of Hebrews. And rather than the last few verses of the book, we'll return to chapter 12. It'll fit. Stick around and find out why next. Sometimes the ending is not really the ending. Hello, and welcome to today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard has us back in the book of Hebrews, and rather than the last few verses of chapter 13, we return to chapter 12. Looking at verses 12 through 17, we have saved this message for the conclusion of the book of Hebrews, because it's what we want to leave you with, divine encouragement to run the race. With today's edition of Truth For Today, from Valley Bible Church in Hercules, here's Pastor Phil Howard. Verse 12. He's been exhorting them in chapter 12. He started with a therefore. Now he's going to pick up another therefore in verse 12. Let me say something to you about the Bible. The Bible is not only correct beliefs or correct doctrine, what we ought to believe, It's also exhortation, what we ought to do. And this book in chapter 13, he said, I hope you bore with me in my exhortation. And his exhortation was 13 chapters. Exhortation. And exhortation comes from a word, parakaleo, and the word para is simply alongside of. Kaleo is to call. And it was used of a lawyer. Uh, It's our word for parakletos, uh, the Greek word for comforter, counselor, advocate, one that gives aid, gives help. So he said, I am writing you this book to exhort you, a suffering Christian group, Hebrew Christians, that in chapter 10, they've lost their property They've been thrown out of the synagogue. They have suffered all kinds of persecution. They haven't suffered yet the blood. So probably they're not in the city of Jerusalem. Because in Jerusalem there was bloodshed. But they've suffered. They're being ostracized from the Jewish community. So they're paying a price to be a Christian. See, we debate lordship in this country, which is a bunch of nonsense. If you were saved in another country, like our friend Sequant, he said, I'm saved in Punjab. My father puts a gun to my head. I'm ostracized from my family for eight years because I'm a Sikh family. As soon as I get saved, my father threatens to kill me. I live under a Vidoc in New Delhi until Delhi Bible Fellowship brought me in. And gave me refuge. He said, Lordship is not a debate in India. The moment I was baptized, I was kicked out of family, friends, and village for eight years. You think I'm trying to figure out if Christ is Lord? 
It's in the United States with easy believism and that it doesn't cost anything to be a Christian. It's phony baloney Christianity. That's where the debate raves. And it's why John MacArthur wrote on it. He said, too many people in this church are unsaved. We probably got a few in Valley. So he's exhorting. And this is what he's going, he's going to exhort them to do four things. Four things. Let me read the passage. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. NIV makes it sexually immoral. It then makes Esau a different category because we're not sure when Esau was ever immoral. But anyway, don't be immoral. Don't be unholy like Esau, which meant profane, irreligious, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. He's encouraging these athletic runners, as he's calling them. He's encouraging these children that may have been suffering some pain in the child-rearing process of their Christian life and journey. He's going to exhort them in four ways. First of all, strengthen those who are weary in the race. Strengthen the weary, verse 12 and 13. Two, be peace pursuers. Pursue peace. Thirdly, pursue holiness. Third or fourthly, beware of those who are failing to enter into the grace of God. What does he want to say to them? Strengthen the weak. In the Christian race, people get drooping spirits. He said, lift hands that are drooping. When you're running, you're supposed to have your arms like this. There's a whole rhythm to running, running to win. This way, drooping, that's no way to win the race. It's indicative of exhaustion, fatigue. And he said, you'll see a brother or sister that fatigue is set in. And he says, their knees are weak. They're actually being loosened. And they're, right, they're about to get out of their running lane. They, they need straight paths for their feet because they don't want to get off track. They all hit rocks, bumps, holes. They, they, they can hurt themselves. And he's quoting from Isaiah 35 to, first of all, strengthen the weak. And he says in Isaiah, your God, Jehovah, will save you. 
You who are weak, I will save you. He said in Isaiah 40 that even young men would faint. Old men would cave in. Having fatigue and serving God is not unheard of. It's not uncommon. We've all had it at one time or the other. Feeling spiritually fatigued, exhausted, and kind of at wit's end. And you're drooping. Your spirit is drooping. You say, I don't know if I can continue. I don't know if I can keep up the race. And he's telling the community, watch out for those among you who have a drooping heart, a drooping pace. They're they're given in. They're discouraged. They're distressed. Whatever life is doing to them, the trials, put us under persecution. Lose your house because you're a believer. Lose your job because you say, Christ is the best, and I took him as my Savior, and I got fired by my Jewish employer. Because I'm a Jewish boy that accepted Jesus as Messiah. I just read a report yesterday from Jews for Jesus. They're celebrating. It was on the 4th. They celebrated the Holocaust, and in Israel on the 4th, they play the sirens at a certain hour, and they take two minutes all over Israel to bow their head and remember all those who died in the gas ovens. Six million of them. And so these people have lost a lot. They've been beat up, pulverized, hated, called non-Jews. They paid a price. They paid a price for claiming Christ to be the best and to be the Messiah. And he says, strengthen these people. Help these people. And he uses the word here. He says, they can be healed. Did you notice that? He says, but rather be healed. See that the lame is strengthened. It's kind of like the Marines. No brother left behind. Come alongside of them. Put your arm around them. We're going to make it. We need each other. And I think it's interesting how few believers seem to know how to exhort you to good works. You remember he said in Hebrews 10, exhort each other to good works, to love. And I ask you, who is in your life that exhorts you to run the race? Do you have any? Let me ask you this. uh, Do you know how to exhort? Do you ever come next to a discouraged Christian and you can speak a word into their life that makes them want to run, gets them over the downcast spirit? We all have lagging spirits at different times. Death, disease, financial reverses, suffering, misunderstanding, relationship shot, family trouble. It doesn't matter. Where are the people who come and speak a word into me so that, as it were, my knees get strength, my arms take on strength, I can run better, I can run faster, and I've got a lifting up of my head. Barnabas was known for being an exhorter. That's what his name means, son of exhortation. And I ask you, develop that. He said the, the tongue of a wise man brings healing and brings courage. 
Did you know if you lose your courage, you're on the verge of losing everything? Alexander Solzhenitsyn said that. He said one only need to study history to realize that the loss of courage has always signaled the end. That's why what Britain needed was more than guns. And FDR saw that they got the guns and the ships even when he went around Congress to get them to Britain. But they had a bulldog that was in a cellar and announced, we will never, never give up. We're not shoot us. Send all your rockets over here, Hitler. We are not abdicating. This island will be buried in blood, sweat, and tears, but we ain't running. We lack so little of that on any level because we are afraid of any kind of pain on any level, but he's encouraging them. Run. Strengthen your brother. Tell him, come on, you can make it. We're going to help you make it. We're going to get through this together. Strengthen those who are exhausted and in a spiritual fatigue at the moment. Then two, he said, be people who pursue peace. Be peacemakers. You remember what Jesus said? One of the things that will characterize my people is wherever they go, they make peace. They make peace. Uh, Look what he said. Strive for peace with everyone. Some have debated who is the everyone. Is it just the church that he's writing to? Uh, Well, Jesus said, if they persecute you, bless them. Uh, If they oppose you, don't you oppose them. And it seems to be the, the lifestyle, the mentality of true believers is they want to make peace with even the unsaved. They, they want to make peace with fellow believers. Have you ever known of people that even in the church are not peacemakers? Can be in a Christian organization and not be peaceful kind of people? Have you ever known? I'm going to tell you, I have. I have. I'm not as silent as you. I've met many. You know, when the gospel and the cross cease to be the main thing, you will be amazed about what the saints can fuss about. I said, when the gospel, Christ, his cross work, great truths, justification by faith, the book of Romans, when they're not in the word, not in prayer, they'll pick this church apart and they'll be a source of conflict all the time. And many need to be disciplined. We always go after the immoral. We seldom go after those who are always stirring up trouble. Some people, I had a brother, as he shared lunch with me yesterday, told about a man that said, oh, I think I like you. And why is that? He said, well, I'm a rebel and and you're a rebel. And my friend said, oh, no, no, don't, don't paint me with that brush. I'm not a rebel. I'm not a rebel. That's you. Not me. I had a man say, you don't want me to come to your church. He, he, he said this through another man. He sent the message to me. He said, you don't want me to go to your church. And I said, why? He said, I'll have it split within a month. I sent the message back. I said, me and the elders and the deacons will wrestle you to the foyer floor before we're going to turn this church over to you. 
Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are that we're going to sit around and turn the other cheek while you say, I'm going to split the church. I want to split his head. That's not spiritual, but that's where I feel. You know what? Shepherds have to hit wolves on the head while they cuddle the sheep. Two voices. Comfort the sheep and yell at the wolf. And some of you don't have any idea what that is. There's got to be a little Richmond in you and there's got to be a little meekness. No, 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 no. Protecting God's people is worth fighting for. Protecting the name of Christ. Protecting unity is worth fighting for. So if you're a troublemaker, we'll find out and we'll show you when you're going to learn to make peace. You know, we tell the story often about the, uh, the Baptist deacon, you know, at the business meeting and the proposition, let, let's buy chandeliers for the church. He, he stands up. I'm against it for three reasons. One, no one can spell it. Two, we can't afford it. And the third thing this church needs is more light. He's just against it. He didn't even know the issue. I'm just against it. I used to have a, a deacon of all people. He used to tell me, because he'd always have an opposing vote in the uh, deacon meeting. And one day he said, well, you know, I want to be the devil's advocate. I said, the devil doesn't need any help. The devil doesn't need any help. We're trying to do things for God in unity. And if you don't want to be a part of unity, you're in the wrong place. Because we've got to get men of different backgrounds, different viewpoints. Can the Spirit of God get us on the same page for the glory of God? We may not always agree on it, but are we people of peace? Only you know that. Jesus said, my people are the people who make peace in the earth. Where they come, they build bridges of reconciliation. Because they have peace with God, now they want to make peace with men. But some have this attitude, no, no, I'm doing it my way. Well, you have no business fomenting your opinion. We want to build people up. We want to bring them to the Prince of Peace. I thought he was the head of the church. The Prince of Peace. I remember at Holy Ghost Hall, we, were, we had a bunch of people divided over some issue. And it wasn't the gospel, believe me. It was some mundane thing. And we were already being warned it was going to be kind of a fractious kind of a uh, you know, congregational meeting that we used to have in those days. And I was hearing, oh, this is going to be happening on the floor. And this is going to happen. And uh, I, Steve Fernandez was my associate then. And I, I might have met with David and him. And we said, let's pray. We want unity and whatever this issue is. And, and God just put on my heart that night. When we started the meeting, we were at Old Holy Ghost Hall. I simply did this. I put a chair out, and I said, the chairman of this meeting will be the head of the church. The one who bought the church with his own blood. Now, Jesus, you chair it, okay? And brothers and sisters say, whatever you want, as long as it doesn't bother our chairman. Okay? Who owns the body? The preacher or Christ? You're weak. Christ. It's his church. 
And he said in 1 Corinthians 3.17, if you mess with the church, he's going to kill you. You read it. You better look it up quick. You want to memorize it. He who destroys a local church, the word temple is plural. It's a local church. I will destroy him. And if you don't think it's true, read the rest of Corinthians. I killed some of you at the Lord's table because you came to the Lord's table drunk, and I just decided to kill you. Others I paralyzed. Do you think Christ could take your life? Ask Ananias and Sapphira. We don't fear God. We think this is my church. No, no, it's his church. He just let you in, honey. He just let you in the door. But you, none of us are running the church. There's one head. And it's not the Pope. You've got to go higher than Rome. You've got to get way up there. And he is the head and all things will be subject to him. And he has ways of dealing with hard heads. He's got softening processes to get you to hear his voice. Hear my voice. If you don't do the church the way I want, I'll blow out the lampstand and we'll wonder what ever happened to that church. It's no longer around. I've had people come to me and prophesy, valley's over. I had a guy just told me, said, Ichabod's on the door. I said, well, I'm sure glad you're not a prophet. You're just a zealous young man. And we've been going 27 years since the prophecy. It's Christ I listen to. I fear Christ. I fear him to my good. He goes on to say, thirdly, you ought to be pursuing the holiness without which no one will see God. That's a tricky verse. I've had difficult with that verse for years. What does that mean? Without holiness... No one will see God. But what do you mean? What do you mean without holiness? Let me give you an example. Holiness is used. It's the word, this word holy is translated saint, translates sanctification. So he, he could say without the sanctification, no one will see God. Without the holiness, what is holiness? Set apart from sin primarily set apart from evil and then the positive side is uh pursuing righteous but what is right so they you're abstaining from the evil you're pursuing the good okay you're like god god hates evil he's set apart he's a god that's good a god that's righteous now there's three ways this word used of god's people One we call positional sanctification. If you belong to Christ, you're in Christ, and God says you're already sanctified. He calls us saints. Uh, See, we don't have to perform a miracle to get sainted in this. The miracle we've undergone is we've been born again. That makes you a saint. I don't wait for the Pope to declare me a saint. Christ declared me a saint. I'm a saint in Christ's eyes. Okay, set apart. But some days, do I act like a saint? What about you, honey? Let's leave the preacher alone. You. No, some days you don't look like a saint. You look more like an ain't at times. You know it. 
and the Spirit of God grieves in you, you confess it, got to get right. But I'm a saint on my worst day because I'm in Christ. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spent in God's Word to encourage you to bring you truth for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. Another way to reach out to us with your questions would be to simply record them on your voice memo app on your smartphone, and then email that audio to tftquestions at valleybible.org. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you have questions about the ministry of Truth For Today and how we are funded to air on this radio station, we would love to talk with you. We are listener-supported, quite simply, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift, it all goes back into the radio ministry, ensuring that it airs on this radio station. So would you consider that as you reach out to us here at Truth For Today? One other note as we close out our time together today, if this broadcast and this ministry encourages you in your walk with Christ, and you happen to be looking for a church that does just that, we would invite you to contact valleybible.org. Pastor Phil is Pastor Emeritus at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, and while he is no longer in the pulpit, we are still very much a part of this church body. And we would invite you to come and join us for worship. For more information, again, valleybible.org or call 855-833-9864. And then we invite you to come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Message.